0: listening to rattle and pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay.
1: All right, Jeff. So today we are going to play another version of that classic American game show. Vibrant dead or on life support.
2: Uh, oh, I love that game show.
1: Yeah, that's been around since
2: the, the 70s, hasn't it? it?
1: Yeah, it was on right after Joker's Wild and before The Price is Right. The Price is Right. Yes. <laughs> That's a day show, right? Uh, All right. So, so Vibrant, Dead, or Life Support. And today we are talking about inbound marketing. So I'm going to kick it to you. Inbound marketing, Vibrant, Dead, or on Life Support? Yes. Yes. All of the above.
2: (laughs) I thought inbound was the panacea for every marketing problem. And content marketing was the last marketing technique you'd ever need. Right? Isn't that true?
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, before so before we do that, and that's a great point. So before we do that, let's define inbound marketing because what does that even mean? What do we even mean by that?
2: Well, to, to me, inbound marketing in its simplest form is using content to attract people, prospects to your solution by providing helpful content about the problem and the solutions and how to buy them. I think that's its most simple form.
1: Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, I think to me, inbound as a concept is kind of HubSpot's coined version of content marketing, right? It was their mm-hmm. angle on, on how content would work. In terms of a movement, I feel like, at least to me, the first I had been familiarized with the term was around 2008 when I first kind of got some peaks at HubSpot in some of its early forms. So I guess in terms of dating the concept, I don't know exactly when it dates, but it seems like it's right around that time, this idea of inbound. I've always tied inbound a little bit to the Great Recession in the sense of, I feel like the Great Recession was a a memory, a, a moment in time that people can relate to when they saw buyer behavior change. It's not really true, but it just sort of felt that way. So you had... Sort of, to me, the intersection of the rise in, in Google's role in society as, as a functioning, viable way to find information. So kind of to find a proverbial needle on a haystack, you could really do that finally for the first time ever. And that became readily apparent around 2008, 2009. And and then you also had kind of with that rise in search, you also had the democratization of publishing, which was really the rise of open source content management systems. So the ability for anyone to become a publisher instantly for practically nothing. So those two intersections to me were always what kind of created the phenomenon of content marketing and then ultimately inbound marketing. And like you said, in the early days, if you think about inbound as a methodology, HubSpot sort of bet their whole coin on this idea that don't find me, I'll find you. Buyers didn't want to be interrupted. They didn't want email in their inbox. They didn't want interrupted phone calls. They wanted to find you on their own terms. And they sort of built that software in the early days as a tool to help marketers do that, help marketers position their products and services through their content to get found by consumers or or customers on their terms. I think in answering the question of, is, is it dead? An interesting point you could make real quickly is, yes, it's absolutely dead because... HubSpot found out real quickly that it didn't work. (laughs) So (laughs) the premise of their software in the early days, if you go back, we started using HubSpot in 2011. In those early days that they sold that idea really hard, this idea that consumers don't want to be advertised to anymore and they want to kind of find you on their own terms. And they built their software around that. And then they suddenly realized that that didn't work all that well. And in fact, they sold their software at that point in time as a kind of anti-email marketing solution. Like, you know, consumers don't want email marketing in their inbox anymore. Hence, we've got this better solution for you. We suddenly realized pretty quickly that that didn't work and that you had to have email in the inbox, that you had to be still proactively marketing to people. And they had a piece of software in the early stages that actually had really, really poor performance on in inbox placement. So they literally couldn't get their email delivered because they didn't know how to deliver email. Mm-hmm. So they had to build that whole capability and that whole skill set kind of in that early 2011 to 2015 time range, somewhere in there. Or make the argument that that in and of itself tells you that it's dead because they had to basically build a whole outbound machine tied to their software to enable the other side of that inbound journey. Hey, that I thought that was
2: an excellent summary, spot on. It is an excellent example of what you and I talked about in one of our other blog posts, how marketing ruins everything. Marketing ruined, I think, a solid concept of inbound. And I think it was in response to something else that marketing had ruined. And that was email. (laughs) (laughs) Because, because, you know, I I was on a primo before I had even heard of, of HubSpot. And this was at Hewitt. And before that, you know, we were on proprietary systems and they were, you know, it was all marketing automation and nurturing approach. And then that got ruined by spammers and then inbound came. And so, yeah, I I, I think your summary of HubSpot, who if you look up inbound, their picture will be there, is reflective of, of the state of it. You know, they thought, you know. Let's just create helpful content and everybody will come our way. But, you know, professional services have been doing that for 100 years. That's the whole concept of thought leadership. And the content marketing and inbound phase dumbed down thought leadership for a lot of people, not all firms. And we've talked about that as well. But it, it just seems like firms are always looking for the easy channel, you know, and inbound made it look kind of easy, right? You're already producing content. Let's just promote it on social media and attract people to our website. You know, one thing that I think is going to be the death knell for this, there's a couple of things. One is the evolving nature of SEO. You're seeing Google answering a lot of questions that consumers are asking via AI and, and snippets so the you know, the click through and search results are falling because Google's just kind of aggregating content and solving whatever problem question a searcher has for it. The other element that I think is really important is the evolving nature of privacy. And people don't want to be tracked. I don't know that they ever really wanted to be tracked, but inbound fundamentally hinges on Capturing an email, linking it to an IP, and tracking people. And people exploit that in a world of professional services or any firm, complex B2B sale where trust is a key driver of vendor selection. That tracking puts you into an area that really puts trust and relationship at risk if it's exploited in the wrong way. And like spam. People are exploiting that trade of information. I think those are important drivers of why inbound just isn't what it was ever meant to be.
1: Yeah, well, you made two really interesting points, and I'll, I'll summarize them. You know, point one was that Google is sort of grabbing the traffic, right? So Google is is delivering the answer to the question right in the search query, and there's no need for the Reader to go any further. I don't believe yet that that has really hit sort of the complex question that the professional services firm or, you know, an enterprise marketer is solving. So I don't think that it's tripped over that line yet, but it certainly has for consumer marketers quite a lot. Mm hmm. So it's just a matter of time, right? So I guess that would put it in the category of life support if that is a big driver, meaning that you know Google used to be a train station. It was a conduit to get you from one place to the next. Well, now it's becoming the destination. It's becoming the portal that, that Yahoo and all those you know other tech startups in the late 90s hoped to be. It just got there in a much longer way with a snazzy algorithm and a crap load of advertising. So that's a really interesting comment you made. and I think that's one that's really worth noting, that that will continue to pose a significant threat to search as a channel for really any marketer. Your second one is interesting. I think it's more nuanced. I, I'm not convinced that the privacy conversation has been a big one, certainly in Europe and in California. And, and, and we've seen you know all these privacy laws emerge. But at the heart of it, I'm not convinced that most consumers actually really care as much as we are led to believe. I think people have traded their privacy for free products or intuitive products or elegant products for so long that I'm not even so sure that they really know they're doing it or even care that they're doing it that much. But I do think it's interesting, I'll, I'll draw another comparison to that though, which is that how you use the data, right? So the worst offenders of using that data are the SaaS companies themselves, right? So the, the ones that use that data to violate trust the most are the purveyors of that software, HubSpot, Salesforce. I mean, you know, if you touch a landing page on any of those those websites, you're going to get bombarded with phone calls <laughs> faster than you can breathe. And every one of them is going to tell you, I saw you read XYZ. And it's like, well, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm impressed with your with your. Your web tracking, but just because I read that doesn't mean I want to talk to you. There's a company called Form Assembly that's been barraging me because I was looking for some information on GDPR compliance, and I just happened to find it on an ebook of theirs. And then I got you know literally ten sales calls trying to sell me on Form Assembly's services. I don't even know what Form Assembly is. I just happened to find a <laughs> piece of content, right? I have no interest in, for, in 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 your their product, right? I haven't done any cognitive you know research on that whatsoever, nor is it even in my My landscape. Whereas, by contrast, you know, in this particular case, the consultants, the service providers themselves haven't done that, right? You know, they they didn't jump into that lane of, well, we've got some data on this person. Now let's go track them down and make some phone calls. I just haven't done that.
2: Yeah, they should call it pounce marketing instead yeah, of inbound yeah. marketing. Which
1: is funny because it, that's the script for software marketing. And I tell our software clients this all the yeah. time. I'm like, you know, that's that's the script. Everybody knows it now. So it's perfectly okay. I mean, it's perfectly okay to start hammering the phone calls after that ebook download just because it's it's expected it's going to happen. So you might, you might as well do it. You know, it's not going to kill you in the end, you know. So now well, that may or may not be a good strategy, but I've sort of told them multiply that it is So aggressive that the clients know it's coming. But now let's look at another angle of this. Another angle of this, I would argue, is that inbound is vibrant and growing and expanding. And that would be the argument that inbound as an idea is probably healthier than it's ever been. I mean, I've never been, you've been, I've never been to HubSpot's inbound conference. But my sense is that the community for that conference is just getting bigger and bigger every year. The reseller channel for HubSpot gets bigger and bigger every year. And so just Inbound as a concept, as an idea, as a belief system, whatever you want to call it, seems to me it's it's alive and well. I, I don't see that falling off at all. If anything, I see it. If I had to guess, you know, well, obviously this year is going to, going to be different because I don't know if they'll have an in person conference, but I, I would be willing to bet that that conference has grown every year for however long they've been doing it.
2: Yes, it has. And to me, that's a warning sign. You know, after decades in this in this industry, I always am suspect. When you have a groupthink around a fad or a technology, so HubSpot's inbound conference or Salesforce Dreamforce, I stay away from those because it's like you know the the tulip phenomenon or the dot com phenomenon. When that many people are jumping on a bandwagon, it's a clear sign for marketers to rethink their strategy because if everybody's doing it. Your goal should be to go where everybody's not doing it. Yeah, and to me, that's that's why it's the telltale sign of its death when that many people are jumping on the bandwagon. Something's not right. And and I think HubSpot's strategy, not just their product strategy, because their product strategy, you know, moved into service and and sales and and CRM. Yeah. But their strategy was built around their partners. And I mean, they just were adding partners left and right because it's a quick and easy revenue stream for them, right? Inbound, if it's not working and your hard press pounce marketing phone calls aren't working, well, how about if we do a pyramid scheme and we'll get our agencies to sell our software? and implement our software and tell our story. And all of a sudden you have thousands and thousands of inbound experts out there running the HubSpot playbook, which means everybody has the same marketing strategy.
0: You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy, Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff.
1: So I'm struggling, Jeff. I can't remember three or four years ago, somebody that I knew was telling you this. Who was that? Who was saying these things? And you poo pooed them, said he didn't know what he was talking about. Who was that again? Hmm. Was that you? Oh yes, I think it was. Thank you very much. I just wanted to get it out in the open because you told me I was crazy four years ago when I said that. So anyway, the that was done in private. I don't think that was I don't think the podcast was live yet. Actually, it was part of the plan for the podcast. What's that? Well,
2: yeah, and I'm not perfect. So I I think you're right. I do think there is a time and a place for agency partners, but you don't need thousands
1: of them. Well, yeah. Maybe I mean, I think a hundred of yeah. them. Any, yeah. Anytime you've got a software platform, you know, reseller partners and networks are, are really critical, uh, you know, parts of how you market and build a product. You need people that can build on top of it and can do more with it than you can. But yeah, you have to have some control. It's like a sales channel. It's the same thing. You think about, Through the years, we've done our fair share of work with large, you know, large companies that sell through independent seller networks. And there's always defined territories, right? You know, you can't sell multiple companies, can't sell multiple resellers, can't sell through the same channels. I mean, it's done for a reason, right? Right. And that's something that I think HubSpot in particular never really kind of understood. But let's move off them because I don't think it's about them. I think you make a really good point, though. It's almost like the community that is inbound is growing and vibrant and alive and well. But the tactic, or strategy, or methodology, whatever you want to call it, that is inbound is is not. Now, let me say one thing though. So, I don't know that I fully agree with that. So, let me just say this. So, I I, I date all these recordings, right? So, we were recording this June second. So, we are in. You know, we're tailing out. We're coming out of the second quarter. We've, we've just sort of lived through the spike associated with this pandemic. And we've watched or we've participated. In our case, we've partnered with a lot of our clients to develop a whole ton of thought leadership in the April-May timeframe to really help them help their clients navigate through one of the most disruptive and difficult leadership challenges of our times. And the thing I will tell you without looking at the data is across the board, those clients that did that have seen significant lifts in site traffic, every one of them. And I'm talking anywhere from 10 to 30, 40, 50% traffic increases and a lot of that is is obviously outbound it's it's email social promotion of that thought leadership but they're also getting significant search lift so i would make the argument that you know the the need for solutions to really difficult problems is never ever going to go away and certainly at this moment in time it does appear that search engines are still a viable means by which to connect that solution to the difficult problem with someone who has the problem. Because we're seeing that through ent- all of our client base and beyond in the last three months. All of them are seeing lift in what I call marketable leads, meaning they've built a bigger audience of people that are willing to trust them and are, and are receiving their marketing. And some of them have seen you know lifts and sales ready leads. So people that are making inquiries and saying, yeah, let's, let's do this or let's talk, I should say. So in the moment, I would argue a lot of firms that's still working quite well especially through this pandemic
2: i won't argue against that but i think the, you, the the important point that you make or my interpretation of of what you said is inbound is a tactic it's one of many yep. and there is a time and a place for that tactic it does not stand on its own and to me there are very narrow applications where inbound, if done properly, not just done, but done properly with the right strategy. And a strategy doesn't mean creating buyer personas, which is stupid, in my opinion, but I've written about that. (laughs) But there's there's a time and a place for that approach. And if you are marketing complex ideas to sophisticated buyers in complex B2B sales where expertise and results and relationship are important and the buying decision is high risk, high investment, inbound is not going to be in your top three marketing tactics in my mind. If you have just the opposite, you know, a quick, easy, low risk, inexpensive sale, the market understands their problem and they understand that there's some solutions out there. Yeah, inbound could probably work really well for you. But I think everybody tries to apply the same inbound playbook no matter what the product, no matter what the cost, no matter what the nature of the sale is. And it's can be even true within, you know, professional services firms. You know, maybe one practice, it makes sense to maybe use inbound, but another, it
1: doesn't. I mean, it can be that nuance. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the thing we've seen in, Applying that leadership strategies firms for a decade or more, and, and so our own agency is—it's definitely a function of the type of buyer you're trying to reach and the type of solution that you're proposing to solve. Just like you said, so there are certain types of buyers that you absolutely can reach through an inbound strategy, and it works quite well. And there are certain types of buyers you probably will never reach through an inbound strategy, <laughs> and you just have to know which ones those are. To your point, and I agree with you that it, it's—it could be very much practice specific. All right, so we are coming, we are, we got to take it to a wrap. So let's do this. I got to put you on the spot. You got to pick one. It's vibrant, you know, dead or on life support. So what's your conclusion?
2: Life support. It's in a coma, but it might wake up. <laughs> Given the right medical treatment and divine intervention.
1: It's fair. So I'm going to say, I'll use the classic nuance, but I'll say, like I said earlier, I'd say the movement is vibrant, healthier than it's ever been, but the tactic is absolutely on life support and with all due respect it was probably never even alive in the first place for <laughs> for a lot of firms as you uh, kind of really well pointed out that there are a lot of situations where it never was the right tactic so claiming that it's dead or on life support when it, it was never living
2: it's never <laughs> <more>. <laughs> so Right, that was fun. We'll have to do this again sometime. You're going to call Brian at HubSpot and apologize, right? What am I apologizing for?
1: Embar- <laughs> embarrassing him over the video he produced in 2008, you know the what was me video about agencies and, and how unviable they are. Oh, boy.
2: I love doing these podcasts with <laughs> you. I really do. Well,
1: you know what? I, I, the one thing I will say about HubSpot is like, you know, you know I've been a, a pretty big critic of their software for years, but they've navigated to a great place. They, they are an innovative company that has found, you know, ways to bend that product in new directions and get it to solve other problems than the ones that they set out to solve in the beginning, which is what great venture backed software companies do. So in that essence, they're a great Mm -hmm. company because they've figured out how to navigate to real solutions, to real problems that clients have. Although I would argue some of their early solutions were not fully baked, but what SaaS companies are,
2: right? That's true. Um, what any company yeah, has.
1: It's easy for me to sit here and take criticisms of what they were doing in 2008. They could criticize what I did in 2008 without any trouble at all. <laughs> they criticize <laughs> what I'm doing right now without any trouble at all, right?
2: I'm going to stay silent yeah, on, that, exactly. on that statement. Yeah. All
0: right, man. I'll talk to you next week. See you, buddy. See ya. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher.